Hello, and welcome to Things That Go Bump in the Night. This is J.C. Bratton coming to you live from San Jose, California. This is Season 3, Episode 5. This is going to be the last episode of Season 3 and the last episode of 2021. So um, in this episode, uh, I have a special guest. Her name is Liz Enton. She's going to be talking about near-death experiences um, and research regarding um, how consciousness may continue after we die. Uh, so it's a very, very interesting topic. I'm, I'm really, really excited about it, and I'm really glad that Liz um, uh, agreed to come on to talk about um, her uh, research and also her book and her podcast. So we will be talking about that momentarily. In the meantime, just a quick update regarding things that go bump in the night, the pod drama. Uh, so Floor 5 Theater Company, they're about 95% done with the recordings and they're going to be doing some editing. Unfortunately, they weren't able to release on Halloween like they wanted to. So we're looking at probably around a February, March release. Um, I will give you guys more of an update when that comes. But anyway, uh, we will um, be back momentarily with Liz Enton. If you have listened to previous episodes of my podcast, you know that I'm completely fascinated with the mind-body problem and whether consciousness continues after we die. This is such an intriguing question that Robert Bigelow, founder of Bigelow Aerospace and the Bigelow Institute for Consciousness Studies, funded an essay contest in which the grand prize would be a million dollars if you could prove there was life after death. The Bigelow Institute ended up awarding a number of essays with large cash awards, the grand prize winner being Jeffrey Mishlove, a psychologist who hosts a show called Thinking Aloud. Now, Mishlove had a very intriguing two-part interview a while back with Dr. Kenneth Ring, a leading near-death experience researcher who wrote a book called Mindsight, which uncovers real accounts from people who were born blind but could see when having a near-death experience. Other contest winners included pioneers in neuroscience and medical research, including Drs. Jeffrey Long, Michael Nam, and Sam Harnia, to name a few. Ever since Dr. Raymond Moody's groundbreaking book, Life After Life, and the fact that resuscitation can bring people back from death, scientists are waking up to the fact that maybe our consciousness continues when our physical form ceases to function. In a recent search for more articles and details around the mind-body problem, I stumbled upon an article by Liz Enton. She's an author and fellow podcaster. And she discussed how she went from being an atheist who felt that material science was the only answer to becoming a firm believer that consciousness continues after we die. Liz lost her father in 2015, and I lost my father in 2017. I felt we had a similar perspective, so I'm honored to have Liz join my podcast. So what follows now is an interview that I conducted with Liz. So hello, Liz. Uh, Thank you for joining. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Sure, no problem. So um, when did you first start um, researching about near-death experiences? Um, So that was in 2015, after my dad passed. That's when I first began to investigate all evidence of an afterlife, and NDEs were a part of what I researched. Sure. And then um, have you ever had a near-death experience or know somebody personally who's had one? I have not had one. But I do know a couple people who have, but I met them through my research of afterlife evidence. One was my friend Robin, and she sadly passed away 
and did not come back a couple of years ago. But she had had two NDEs in her lifetime, which I think is pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. My other friend who had one that I know is Jake Cooper. Mm -hmm. He wrote a book about it, actually, called Life After Breath. And I met him through doing all this research as well. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, as I've, quote unquote, like come out more and more about this research, I meet people in ordinary settings not related to my studying this. And they end up opening up to me about they, how they had one or they know someone that had one. I actually think they're more common than we think in our society. But, mm -hmm. you know, our, as a society, we don't really understand or have a way to understand them. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, has the compelling evidence of the continuation of consciousness changed your opinion about religion and materialistic science? Um, yes. Oh, my God. It's so much, at least in terms of materialistic science. Mm -hmm. I used to think it was like the only answer to everything. And that materialism was a fact that, you know, consciousness is created by our brains. Mm -hmm. In terms of science itself, I always had assumed it was very pure and always getting to the truth and the facts. I still think science is the best approach and system to get to the truth. Mm -hmm. But I also see that science is a process and route of getting answers. And that we're like, a lot further away from all the answers than I had originally thought. I also see how science can be close to strong evidence that this stuff happens like for example i bent a spoon which is crazy i know mm -hmm. it happened like i physically was there and touched it mm -hmm. but physics says it can't happen and so you know science does dismiss a lot instead of investigate it at times mm -hmm. however there's still a lot of humbleness in science that the mysterious and inexplicable are part of our understanding of the universe you know, think of like the split particle theory or string theory. Mm -hmm. I, and I just think that part of the part of science that claims materialism is no doubt the answer and all evidence to the contrary then ends up being dismissed. That's actually not real science. Mm -hmm. It's ignoring the evidence. That approach is a type of fundamentalism sure. where they won't even look at it. But like, Okay, so in terms of religion, I haven't really changed my mind about that much. I'm still an atheist, mm -hmm. although maybe better word is like evidentialist. Mm -hmm. I have never seen any evidence of a god. I always thought it was religion was kind of at best a community and culture, which can bring people together and, you know, at times make people that try to be their best selves. At worst, it can be like a dogmatic cult-like system that causes people to be cruel and take away human rights, such as women's rights over their own body or anyone's mm -hmm. rights to love who they love. Mm -hmm. And taking away those rights kind of based on it's kind of a fairy tale. I still um, think that's true, but I also think it has an aspect to it that tries to express and understand survival of consciousness and the inexplicable non-material phenomena. And I definitely still identify with the culture of Judaism. I've always been a secular Jew, and that hasn't really changed. Oh, sure, sure, no problem. And uh, with, with what, what do you think is the most compelling evidence that the consciousness, or for lack of a better word, soul, continues onward? 
God, I just don't think there's one bit of compelling evidence. It's kind of when you put all these little pieces together, there ends up being this vast body of evidence. And when you put that together, it forms a preponderance of evidence of survival of consciousness. If you just took each piece, mm-hmm. it you could find normal explanations for it. And, but after a while, to keep coming up with these normal explanations and normal explanations for this absolute phenomena, it just mm-hmm. stops being such a valid explanation and definitely points towards consciousness. Sure, sure, absolutely. And and kind of going back to a little bit about the quote-unquote religious aspect. So we hear about the so-called being of light that a lot of people say that they encounter during their near-death experience. Would you say that this being of light is quote unquote God or something similar? Um, I mean, I certainly wouldn't that use that word, God. Um, I have no idea what it is exactly. It definitely seems to be some form of consciousness or group of consciousnesses or a change in how we utilize our own consciousness as we transfer from this material dimension or perception, mm-hmm. sensing and experiencing our consciousness in our current body. And then transforming that to another form. I don't think it's God. I mean, definitely, at least not how our society defines and understands God. I, you know, not in terms of religion. I've never seen any evidence that God is, we understand God to be exists. Sure. And, and um, after kind of researching all this, wh- how would you answer the question of, are you afraid of death? I mean, yes and no. Like, in theory, I'm not afraid of being dead in a higher sense I that kind of existential dread is gone I'm afraid the process might be painful but my survival instincts still kick still definitely kick in you know I get feelings of fear at certain moments like I'm still not the best flyer I still like get anxious during turbulence Mm -hmm. Um, you know I take care of myself medically and make logical medical decisions and definitely you know, uh, it's been a little scary lately, suddenly with the ups and downs of the virus. But in the big picture, I'm in like a deeper sense. I'm not afraid anymore. Sure, absolutely. And um, um, so we talk a, lo- a lot about the different types of evidence that, you know, consciousness continuing and so forth. And we see that in the near-death experience phenomenon, but also there's there's the phenomenon of of childhood memories of past lives so sort of in that reincarnation realm as well kind of linking that you know you know people who who've passed on uh, their their consciousness may continue in new life forms and so forth so so what do you think is 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 more concrete in terms of uh the evidence the the nde part or or you know this kind of child childhood past memories reincarnation what what would you think and why um, yeah, I know I've studied a lot about both, and I really think it's not about one type of evidence being stronger than another, but it's the level of veridical evidence of each, as well as the consistency. Mm-hmm. Like the strongest past life cases, which have been studied by Dr. Jim Tucker and the late Dr. Ian Stevenson, such as the James Leininger pilot case mm-hmm. or the Marty Martin Hollywood agent case. You know, those are so strong. Those cases checked out under rigorous investigation. So that's the strongest evidence you're going to get there. And then in terms of NDEs, the verifiable cases are the ones 
that are stronger than any past life memory that cannot be verified. For example, the case where the woman during an NDE saw the spaghetti sauce on Dr. Bruce Grayson's tie. Um, and I don't know if you know that case or the man mm -hmm. during an NDE who saw a young, healthy nurse who had unexpectedly died in a car accident. And he hadn't known that it happened. So this man during um, another man then during his NDE saw a, this doctor flap his arms like a chicken. Um, and, you know, so which verified to be true. Mm -hmm. so the second layer of evidence is the consistency which both have. In terms of cases of reincarnation, the children seem to have memories that are mundane, but they're about things people really care about. They remember hot chocolate at grandma's or the next door candy shop, rather than being a prince in a castle. They use lines like when I was big, emotions are attached to memories and memories tend to all fade around five. So this major consistency. In terms of NDEs, examples of consistencies are seeing the light, feeling surrounded by love, a changed worldview where we were where we're here for love over to acquire material items. Yeah, so there's just a lot of consistencies in both too. Yeah, exactly, but, exactly. And and hearing um all the evidence, especially when it's done by you know verifiable uh, you know th these are these are research scientists who are getting these accounts from people who really don't have any specific reason for us not to believe them right because they're, they're not coming back and saying oh am i i was i was uh i'm the past life of marilyn Monroe, or i'm past i was once cleopatra you know they're not they're not talking about those things these are like normal everyday people that they claim to have been you know had been maybe previously right or uh you know the people who are coming back and talking to the researchers and and uh you know like talking to bruce grayson and saying hey you know uh i you know this is what this is what i experienced and and these are things that you know there's just no reason why it couldn't have happened right so um right yeah and then they're verified you know like the people mm -hmm. they'll see something and then find out it's true you know something that occurs back home with their family while they're in the hospital quote-unquote dead you know so mm -hmm, mm -hmm, exactly so so what do you think needs to happen to convince the public that consciousness continues Oof, you know that's that's a good one <laughs> i think the more science and data are shared in a logical factual tone about this topic the more likely we are to convince the public you know, the more science ends up investigating the evidence in a serious way, the more the public will become convinced. As of now, survival of consciousness tends to be presented overall in either a very new agey manner or as organized religious manner, faith belief-based manner. Unless you dig really deeply into the evidence, it's not usually discussed or taught as an evidence and data-based topic. If that changes, I think that would make a really big difference. Sure, sure, absolutely. And um, so we, you know, we we talked a little bit about some of these accounts of you know different personal accounts of NDEs and 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 so forth. Like, can you give um an example of the one that maybe touched you the most? You know, a story that just you know just couldn't be explained by science. And and what 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 would you, what would you say that one would be? Hmm. You know, it's so hard to just pick one. Because really, as I just said before, it's about how they 
all come together to form a picture. If you took one alone, it could be explained away or dismissed so easily. But here's two that I think really stand out. Um, there's the Pam Reynolds case. I know everyone talks about that one. So I'll talk about these other two instead. So the man who knew the nurse who died. Um, so this man was very sick in the hospital. One of the people helping him was a young nurse. She was taking care of him and told him it was her 21st birthday that weekend. The man passed away and ended up having an NDE and returning. When he passed, he saw a few deceased loved ones. And he also saw that young nurse named Anita. She told him she was there to fluff his pillows. And then she said, tell my parents I love them and that she was really sorry. She wrecked the red car that they gave her. Um, I think she also said the brand of it too. Um, she also told him that he had to go back. He returned to his body from his NDE and shared this story with another nurse at the hospital. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry. And then, so after he tells this nurse, he was shocked to learn Anita's parents had bought her a red car exactly like that, that an MBG, that weekend for her birthday. Um, I believe the other brand was an MBG, which she sadly wrecked and subsequently ended up dying during the wreck over that weekend. She was young, healthy. He would have no way of knowing that she had died. So, I mean, the reason I say that one case alone can't count too strongly is this could be explained. Maybe while he was in a coma or barely present, he overheard the hospital staff in his room talking about her passing, and then he maybe incorporated that into an NDE that was like a dream. But others have seen people they did not know had died during NDEs that were not staff at the hospital and no one would have been talking about them. So that's kind of why they all have to come together. So in another one, a man was on an operating table and died during the surgery. He was confused while out of body to see the surgeon um, who was operating on him. And he had his, the surgeon had his hands tucked under his shoulders and was flapping his arms like a chicken and the man was very confused about that. Mm -hmm. So he had an NDE. And when he returned to his body, he asked his surgeon about this. It turned out that was how the surgeon pointed to the doctors and nurses by keeping his hands under his under keeping his hands tucked under his shoulders until touching surgical tools that kept them cleaner and more sanitary. And, you know, lastly, there's really no one case but the thing another thing that blows me away which you know you mentioned dr kenneth ring he's done a lot of research on this is mm -hmm. that blind people can see um when they've passed during ndes and then people sometimes see colors that don't exist in our realm at all mm -hmm. yeah exactly and that's and it's just so fascinating because all these experiences that people are saying they're they're saying that when they when they go through this process, it's it's realer than real. So so it's like our bodies are these are these filters and, and filtering out things instead of us experiencing what we we naturally should be experiencing in our our spiritual slash conscious form, right? And and so uh, it's just you know it's it's so fascinating. There's so much 
almost all this compelling evidence that, you know, people are encountering these things. So you can't dismiss that things are happening to people, but just, you know, it's just not, not explained by, you know, conventional science at this point. And, and so, uh, but yeah, it, thank you very, very much for, for talking through all this. And I know there's a, uh, there's, there's so much more in this whole realm of near-death experiences and, and this whole, you know, mind body problem. So um, thank you for sharing your thoughts with the audience. And I would love you to tell us a little bit more about your own podcast and your writings and, and how people can contact you to learn more. Oh my God, yes. Thank you so much for having me on. First of all, it's such an interesting conversation. And mm-hmm. I love meeting other people who take the time to research all this. Mm-hmm. So my book, it's called What the Fuck Just Happened? WTF just happened. And it's all about my experience in assuming that there was zero chance of an afterlife when my dad passed away. And then I really took a shot in the dark and decided to investigate if there was any valid scientific evidence of an afterlife. And I pretty much assumed I would find nothing. However, the deeper I dug, the stronger the evidence became. So I ended up reaching out to many of the people behind the evidence, such as mediums, researchers, parapsychologists. And then I write about how I get to know them and about trying to understand how these people seem to be defying the laws of the universe. And I keep expecting to find the catch. And along the way, many of these people also become friends. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I do encounter some fraud, which I'm honest about and I share. But I also encounter so many inexplicable like laws of the universe defying people and phenomena. So it's kind of about not only does my definition of possible change, I also form friendships that help me heal and cope with the grave. Mm-hmm. And then the podcast, during that, I speak with many of the people who I write about my book, who I met along the way that helped change my mind about the afterlife. I speak with mediums, mm-hmm. afterlife researchers, NDE experiencers, as well as ordinary people who've had inexplicable experiences mm-hmm. and just really fascinating people. And my podcast and book, I think I mentioned above, are called um, WTF Just Happened, um, mm-hmm. spelled that way, but pronounced. What mm-hmm. the fuck just happened? Mm-hmm. And my website is wtfjusthappened.net. Mm-hmm. And my Instagram is at wtf underscore just underscore happened. And the podcast is on all the podcast apps and my website mm-hmm. and YouTube. And you can find all of them from my website. So there you have it. That was my interview with Liz Enton. Uh, it was really great to hear from her. She's got a great perspective on uh, this whole concept of near-death experiences, uh, consciousness continuing after we pass on. And it's really great to hear from somebody who once had sort of a, you can say, a cynical point of view on this whole idea of life after death to actually researching it, seeing the evidence and coming back and saying, whoa, there's something to all of this. And, uh, and I, I wish more people would be like that, whether it be in the scientific community or in the religious community, because I think at both ends of the spectrum really need to take an objective look at all the data. Um, research from Bruce Grayson, research from Sam Parnia, research from Raymond Moody, Kenneth Ring, you know, really great studies that really go into detail about what people are experiencing and 
and this phenomenon because I really do feel that we have enough evidence to show that there probably is something that continues after we pass on. So fascinating stuff. Anyhow, I will be back in 2022. I hope you all have a wonderful holiday season and a great new year. And I will be back in 2022.